Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be able to worship together with you. For those of us who are gathered here as a worship team in the sanctuary, for those joining us on Facebook, and for those of you who are in the parking lot outside on this snowy Sunday morning, it is so wonderful to be able to gather and to praise God together. If you are in the parking lot and are able to hear us, if you would honk your horn to let us know you're here, we can hear you. Thank you so very much. I am Reverend Tim Kobler. I am the chaplain of the Wesley Foundation at the University of Michigan, and it is wonderful to return and to be able to share in this time of worship with you. We are unaware of any additional announcements this morning, but if you happen to know of any and you're on Facebook, you can put those in the comments, and that will be shared with the community as we worship together. At this time, I invite the liturgists to come forward as we join in our call to worship. Good morning. My name is Fonda Heike, and I'll be the liturgist assisting this morning. <clears throat> I invite you now to join with me as we read together the call to worship. Sing a new song, a song, song of, of thanks, thanks and, and praise. praise, for God has done wondrous deeds and, and is great beyond, beyond compare. We will now do our opening songs, Great is the Lord, and the second one, God will make a way.
Join me in the opening prayer this morning. Holy God, you sent your Son to be the light of the world, so that all may know the brightness of your love. Fill us with your grace this day, that we too may bear witness to his light and serve your coming reign. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We will now sing our first song of the day, I Sing the Almighty Power of God, printed in your bulletin. Our God has done wondrous things, too numerous to count. Through steadfast love and faithful care, God enriches us in every way. Therefore, do not delay. Let us offer to God ourselves this day all that we have and all that we are in praise and love of Christ. Doxology. Okay.
We give you thanks, O loving God, that you have placed in the hearts of your faithful people the gift of generosity and the desire to do your will. Use these gifts to proclaim good news to every nation and restore all people to Christ. Amen. And now let us unite our voices together as we pray the prayer that Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to remain in an attitude of prayer. Gracious and loving God, you are the God of our hearts, the God whose love fills us even when we feel empty. You are the God who seeks us out when we have no one and are in the loneliest of places, and we are so grateful, God. Grateful when you hold us when we cannot hold ourselves, when we worry and are uncertain, we see your love in these places and spaces where we find ourselves, and we know that we are not alone. You welcome, you welcome us like a stranger, and you care for us as only you can. God, we pray that the very love that you offer us may also be felt by those who are especially alone, with those who are so affected by the brokenness of their community, the desolation that is seeming to sweep the world and the disconnection of relationships. God, we know that this pandemic has affected so many of us deeply. As we have sheltered in place and as we have kept ourselves as safe as possible from this virus, we know that it has also affected our sense of community and connection. So help us, by your Holy Spirit, to be able to know that we are knit together as a precious tapestry telling the story of your grace and mercy and love. For all who are facing times of illness and uncertainty, we pray that your Spirit would wrap them in healing, in hope, and help each of us as we discover the gifts that you have given us, that we might live them boldly for the good of our community and world to proclaim your love in all places. So help us in these moments of worship to breathe deep the breath that you offer to us, that it would enliven us and set us into motion so that the love you offer us could be the love that we pour out into the world and change it for the better. So now let us join together, let us confess our sins to God, for the Holy One is steadfast in love and always ready to forgive. Mothering God, we have chased after foolish things and spent our strength on vanity. Our labor has been in vain. Deliver us from arrogance and forgive our self-concern that we may find our reward with you as servants of your dream. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Let us continue in silent prayer. Beloved, you are forgiven in Christ, the Lamb who bears our sin. Happy are those who put their trust in God and delight to do God's will, for God makes our footing sure upon the rock of Christ. Amen.
At this time, I invite you to join with me in reciting our affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. We'll be doing the ecumenical version this morning. I believe in God, God the, the Father, Father Almighty, creator, creator of, of heaven and earth. earth. I, I believe, believe in, in Jesus Christ, Christ his, his only Son, our Lord, our Lord who was, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, open our ears to the truth of your word, that the testimony of Christ may be strengthened among us, and the glad news of deliverance revealed. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. We'll be reading together and listening to chapter 2, verses 14, or excuse me, verses 4 through 15. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the heaven and the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord of God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasant to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And from there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first was the Pison. If when it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold, the gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and ox are there also. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of the Esher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Even to work and to take care of it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. At this time, I invite you to turn into your bulletin and sing the song, Faith of Our Fathers. 
Our gospel lesson this morning is from John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see things, greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I mentioned earlier, I have the distinct privilege and opportunity to be able to serve the students of the University of Michigan and uh, other surrounding colleges and universities. Campus ministry has been part of my story of my call from the beginning. I was a student in Southern Illinois at Southern Illinois University, and when the call came to me, I knew that campus ministry was a part of that. And so I began as a a parish pastor, but for the last 20 years, I've been able to serve with young people in higher education ministries at various colleges and universities. And it's always fascinating to see how new academic years unfold. There are all of these students coming from so many different places, and they're trying to get to know one another. They're they're put into small groups where they're going through get-to-know-you activities. And one of the questions that always comes up, that always seems to make them roll their eyes the hardest, is where are you from? They're just loaded, ready to say, okay, here's where I'm from. Here's where I've lived. And then they begin to talk a little bit further about, well, Where are you from? What is it that you have experienced in your life that has helped to shape your story, to make you the person that you are today? It's not just a simple, well, I'm from Marion, Illinois, personally, myself. Um, it's, It's more of a, what is it that has shaped you to become who you are? In the reading from Genesis this morning, this comes from a people living in exile who were wondering, what are our origins? We have been living in exile. We have had our homes and our land taken from us. Some of us have even had our names taken away and the, and the names of our captors given to us. And they passed down the stories of their people and their faith from generation to generation. But because they've been scattered to so many places, there was this concern that they were going to lose the essence of who they were as their stories began to fade. 
And so they collected those stories, which then became a part of the canon of our scriptures, reminding us of that origin story, our origin in God, who bent over and breathed the breath of life into humanity and created us for relationship with God and with one another. And it was a reminder to them that even though they were living in a land of exile, they still were rooted in God. Their origins and their story is all from the one who made them and loves them and is with them, even in the midst of the uncertainty of their lives at that moment. And then we began to see about the origins of Jesus' disciples who were following him on the way during his time of ministry. They were coming from all kinds of different places. We hear of two that had been following John the Baptist, and John then commented on Jesus, and they turned from from John and began to follow Jesus because they knew that there was something about this Jesus that was compelling and calling them into something new. And as they began to experience Jesus, they began to call their friends and their family into this as well. And so they ask about, well, where, where are you staying? Where, where are you going? And in our English translation, we hear Jesus say, come and see. But in the original Greek, we know that this word is a little bit deeper. It's, Come and see and understand. Take it in, all of this, because it is something that is transformative. So they began to come, and Jesus sees Simon and sees within him something more than he knew about himself and began to call him what we know as Peter. And then Nathaniel was invited to come, who had been under the fig tree, which was a traditional place for men to gather and to talk about the scriptures and what they mean and, and how all of those stories unfold in their lives, even in that, that particular day that they're talking about it. What, what does it mean for them now? And so Nathaniel came and was told about this Jesus who came from Nazareth and Nathaniel just shook his head and said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because Nazareth was kind of that backwoods country place with mud houses and it was not considered of any great repute. And so for Jesus to come from Nazareth was not a selling point. It was more of a, a laughing point. But those who invited him to come said, come and see, which is that same word that Jesus used with the disciples of John, come and see and understand. Sometimes we have these notions about places and their reputations and, and can anything good come out of there? For those of us who are Michigan fans, we might say, can anything good come out of MSU or vice versa? <laughs> we just shake our heads and kind of write it off. But if we really take the time to come and to see and to understand one another, to be able to look deeper than the place that we are from and to see who we are from in God, we begin to see a deeper value in who and whose we are. George Ella Lyon was an Appalachian poet, writer, musician, storyteller, and teacher, and was inspired to write a poem in 1993 when she read a book by a fellow author, Joe Carson, entitled, Stories I Ain't Told Nobody Yet. In amongst the quotes from various people was the following, I want to know when you get to be from a place. And it intrigued her so much. She knew that she had her origins in a location, but what was it about the story of that location that shaped her into who she was?
So she created a poem to help her in the quest to find out just where she did come from. By remembering and naming all the things that stood out as important in her childhood, she was able to put things into perspective and find that special place. The poem that she wrote is called, Where I'm From, and it reads, I am from clothespins, from Clorox and carbon tetrachloride. I am from the dirt under the back porch, black, glistening. It tasted like beets. I am from the forsythia bush, the Dutch elm whose long-gone limbs I remember as if they were my own. I am from fudge and eyeglasses, from Imogene and Alifair. I am from the know-it-alls and the pass-it-ons. I am from perk up and pipe down. I'm from He Restoreth My Soul with Cotton Ball Lamb and Ten Verses I Can Say Myself. I'm from Artemis and Billy's Branch, fried corn and strong coffee. From the finger my grandfather lost to the auger, to the eye my father shut to keep his sight. Under my bed was a dress box, spilling old pictures, a sift of lost faces to drift beneath my dreams. I am from those moments snapped before I budded leaf fall from the family tree. One of the things that we're doing at the Wesley Foundation is looking at the stories of the scripture and seeing how those stories shaped the people in them and asking questions about it, pulling it apart and seeing what it was that made that person respond to their call. What was it that intrigued them to follow this call of God or of Jesus and to live into this possibility that had been laid before them? And that was one of the things that I really wrestled with when I was in college. When I got the call to ministry, I felt like God got the wrong number because I was all set on becoming an optometrist. I had my... my pun intended, vision set on that. I had all of my plans made, but God then brought this other thing to me and said, no, this is what I see in you. I had struggled so much to find a spiritual community on campus. I tried one group and it was huge and I felt lost in it. And then there was another group that just really didn't want to deal with questions. They were all about answers, and if you had questions, they raised an eyebrow at you and didn't want to have anything to do with you. And then there were others that were small groups, and they were quite comfortable with themselves, and there really wasn't room for anybody else. And so in this call came this sense that God was inviting me to be a part of a ministry that set the table For all to come, to bring their questions, to bring their doubts, to bring their fears. Because college is some of the most formative times in a young person's life. They are experiencing independence perhaps for the first time. They're beginning to make decisions for themselves. They're looking at the long haul trajectory of where they're headed and what they're going to do with that precious gift of their life for the rest of the time. And so to be able to sit down and to discern their call. What job am I going to do? How am I going to discover and live my gifts? It's it's so fun to see them come in the door. They're brand new on campus. They're not sure about who they are yet or even if they have any gifts. And then over time they develop leadership skills, they find out who they are, and by the time they graduate, they're ready to be great members of their church and of their community and to make a space for others to do the same. One of the things that I found when I was leaving for college that is I wanted to be far from where I came from. I was trying to run away from all of that. It was kind of like running away from Nazareth for me. But the more I grow in my faith and understanding of Christ, 
the more I mature and see my own children growing and finding out who they are, the more I look back to those formative times and I look at my own origin story and to see how God was shaping me even in those days where I thought I was stuck in my hometown. And so I followed George Ella Lyons' example and wrote my own where I'm from. I am from flatland, corn and wheat, combines rolling through the fields. I'm from a kitchen countertop covered with flour from the freshly made peach cobbler. I'm from breaking beans and hulling peas and lawn chairs on the driveway. I'm from tinker toys and Lincoln logs and matchbox cars in the sandbox. I'm from Doris, whose aged voice belt out, How great thou art, as though no one else could hear. I'm from Linda and Laurel, stoic and reserved. From fresh-cut grass clippings and piles of fallen red maple leaves. I'm from swamp fox country and the land of Lincoln, yet living in a land of those yearning to be free. As I look back on those days, I, I see how all of that helped to shape me to become the person I am right now. And each of us have those stories that have made us Some of them are beautiful stories of love and compassion and some of them are memories that we would rather shut out but they have helped us to become the individuals we are right now and in God's loving hands and in God's loving embrace they become so much more than we ever thought that they could be before. We believe that everyone is beloved and shaped from the dust of the earth and the breath of God. Everyone has a story to tell. Sometimes our stories are messy. Sometimes they're beautiful. Sometimes they're painful. Sometimes they're hopeful. But they're being written and rewritten over time by the loving pen of God who made us. We have an opportunity in these days coming into the holidays to reflect on our origins, our where I'm from stories, and to see how we can help others discover the beauty of their stories in the light and the love of Christ. We have an opportunity to help people to see how precious And loved, they truly are by God. That is the beauty of the gospel. Taking our messy and beautiful stories and making us into disciples who change the world. Jesus' own disciples were quite a messy bunch. They came from all different kinds of places and pasts and occupations, and some of them were people you might expect in a group of disciples, but a lot of them were some of the last people you would expect to be gathered around Jesus. But Jesus knew who they were inside and who they could become by the grace of God. So we have an opportunity to share our stories to be able to live into who God is calling us to be and to use our origin stories to help others to discover how they can be a part of that story as well. That beautiful tapestry that God is weaving that tells the story of grace beyond our comprehension. So I invite you to take a moment And to write down where you're from, those things that shape you, that make you, and have written your story of discipleship and faith. Amen.
Now let us receive the benediction. Beloved children of God, go forth in peace, for God in Christ has enriched you with speech and knowledge and every spiritual gift, that God's salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. May God's steadfast love and mercy lead you and make your steps secure, keeping you forever safe on paths of righteousness and peace. Amen.